Okay, am I on? Can you hear me okay? I got this new microphone. So, so if I cough or I sneeze, yeah, I, that's just what it is, you know? So this morning we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verses 1 through 6. And this is going to be part of about the next two or three sermons at least. And I would title this morning's sermon and the, and the following sermons after this, David comes into his own. David comes into his own. So David has been expelled from the army of the Philistines and told to return to his place. Uh, and you may think he would return back to Israel after being kind of dissed by the Philistines. You know, that he just says, you know, fine, I'll just go back to Israel. Uh, I'm going to assist Saul and his army uh, to fight the Philistines, this battle that's coming up. But he doesn't do that. Uh, he knows he is still in mortal danger if he should return. It would be just like Saul and some of his little toadies that were with him, that if while the battle was raging to spy out where David was and kill him by friendly fire. So David decides the best thing to do is probably to remain neutral and instead begins to make his way back to the city of Ziklag in which King Achish had given him. Now, when we read the King James Version of chapter 30 and verse 1, and I got to tell you, I love this. I love it. We find once again that absolutely hauntingly beautiful statement right at the beginning of chapter 30. It says, and it came to pass. The ESV and some of the other translations uh, translated the, the Hebrew to now when, which is correct also, but uh, man, I, I, I think that, and it came to pass, is so much more appropriate. And we, and we, and we talked about this uh, a while back. That and it came to pass phrase there occurs about 450 times uh, throughout the Old Testament. And what it means is the story's getting ready to change. Something is fixing to happen. And, and sometimes it's a positive thing. Sometimes it's a negative thing. Just like it is in our story today. Uh, there's going to be a positive and a negative, and, and a negative as we're going to see. And I believe something happened in David's heart. Right here in chapter 30. <coughs> He's coming into his own. This is the beginning of him conducting himself in a kingly manner. He's rising up to take control of the circumstances. He seeks the Lord's will. And he seeks to make good, godly decisions. And I think we see this shift as the, as the chapter begins to move on towards the end. But as we begin this chapter, our text this morning is going to be just verses 1 through 6. So if you're there, let's read verses 1 through 6 together. It says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag burned and burned it with fire and taken captive uh, the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and, some, and the people who, who were with him raised up their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. <coughs> David's two 
wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were, in bitter, were bitter in soul, for each, uh, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Many, many times bad decisions we make cost us something. For every action, there's going to be a reaction. And God will use the reaction part many times to correct us for our good and his glory. Which is exactly what I think he's doing here with David. This morning our text is going to show us three things. David, or we're going to see three things. Bad decisions are personal. It affects you. The second thing we're going to see is bad decisions are corporate, meaning it affects all those around you in some cases. And then lastly, bad decisions bring bitterness. So as we look at the very beginning, bad decisions are personal. So up to now, David has gone from Israel's darling, the mighty warrior and the giant slayer, and Saul's greatest asset outside of his son Jonathan, to essentially a fugitive, an object of Saul's great wrath and murderous desires. But he has also made some questionable, or in some cases, just outright bad decisions up to this point. He's been known on occasion to tell a lie, or to be deceptive, to be deceitful. In chapter 20, he lies. In chapter 21, deceitfulness and lies. Chapter 27, desertion, deceit, lies. Chapter 28, he's deceitful. Add to that, on all of these, his failure to trust the Lord. His failure to trust in God's sovereignty in his life. And like we have said before, we know that David, he's in a tight spot here. We can't, I mean, if we were in the same position, we just might make some of the same decisions that David made. But David is in this self-preservation mode and is doing things he probably wouldn't normally do. But at the same time, that doesn't make what he is doing right. It's still sin, and he should have sought the Lord's will and trusted in God's sovereignty over his life. Now David, fleeing to the land of the Philistines in chapter 27, well, ultimately it was just an outright bad decision. And we, and we see what's taking place because of that decision now. Sure, he found safety for a time, but safety was already guaranteed to the future king of Israel, David, by God's sovereign decree. Nothing was going to happen to David. He was, fur he, he was completely safe in God's hand. And sure, he was able to destroy some of the enemies of the living God in Israel, and through God's providence, he did. But God could have done it through David without David fleeing to the land of the Philistines and residing in enemy territory. Chapter 30 shows how bad a decision it was to reside in that enemy territory. But also it was a bad decision for he and his men to leave all their possessions unattended while going on a campaign with the Philistines, the sworn enemies of Israel. Knowing, knowing that he and his men 
were just surrounded by enemies where they were. So now when we look back at chapter 28 and verses 1 and 2, this is what it tells us. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. He's in, a, he's in enemy territory. Now he joins himself to the king of the Philistines, the, the king of Gath, as his servant. In chapter 29, look at verse 2. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, pause there. He's going out to battle with the Philistines against Israel, his people. His king, his God. We look in verse 11. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. He was in the wrong place, people. He should not have been there. Now, when we look at verses uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 30, we see what happens. David's gone with his men to Zik uh, uh, with, with the Philistines. He's three days journeying back to Ziklag. And the Amalekites, another one of Israel's sworn enemies, they had made raids into that area and, and against Ziklag. They overcame Ziklag, burned it to the ground with fire, took the women and the children all hostages, carried them off. So now we talked about the fact that David and his men should not have left their, their belongings and their people all alone. That was a bad decision. That was bad militarily, and that was bad tactically. He should have known better. David's a warrior, remember? David's a smart guy when it comes to battle, but yet he left everything, all by uh, all those people all by themselves. At least he should have left a small contingency of, of warriors there, a small group, a group of men to defend things. Militarily, you would never leave your base of operations defenseless. You would never leave them vulnerable to an enemy attack. And we go, what was David thinking? That was just a terrible decision right off the bat. And here they burned it with fire took everyone captive, carried them away. And the fact, and, and listen to this, and the fact that they only did this, that the Amalekites only did that is a miracle of God. When David invaded the south of Judah in chapter 27, verses 8 and 9, it tells us that David left no one alive. There were Amalekites in there. The Amalekites could have retaliated likewise, but they didn't. Oh, the only reason being that the hand of God restrained them from killing all those people. This was an experience for David of God's correcting him for his bad decisions and God using the Amalekites providentially to do so. Now here is why I say the, the, the beginning of this point, it says that bad decisions are personal. When we look in verse 5, <clears throat> verse 5 it says this, David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David's two wives are taken. His possessions are stolen. 
That's what his bad decision ultimately cost him. There is always going to be a personal cost to your bad decisions. I mean, even his men, this was such a bad decision that now personally his men want to kill him. I'd say that's a pretty bad decision. But let's stop and think about it for a minute. Some other bad decisions that we see throughout Scripture. Adam and Eve. One bad decision brought them to spiritual ruin, spiritual death, banishment from the Garden of Eden. Abraham. One bad decision led to turmoil in his family between Sarah and Hagar and Isaac and Ishmael. Saul. One bad decision, making a sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel and then not following through with the complete destruction of, get this, the Amalekites of all people. It costs all the kingdom. And we think about all the others in the Bible where they made bad decisions. Think about them. Think about the bad decision Cain made when he killed his brother Abel. Think of the bad decisions that all of the kings of Israel made and many of the kings of Judah made that cost them personally. Think of the personal cost to the ten brothers of Joseph for selling their brother into slavery. Jephthah. Jephthah declares this one bad decision. Whatever comes out, if I win, whatever comes out of my house, I'll sacrifice. And his daughter came out. One bad decision. The people of Israel, man, just bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. We see it with the golden calf. We see it with the 12 spies. Just bad decisions that cost them. Samson, bad decisions. Ananias and Sapphira, so bad of a decision that it cost them their lives. Achan, who took that, that thing that he was not supposed to take during that battle and buried it. It cost the people of Israel a battle. Jonah, do we need to even go there with Jonah about making bad decisions? I'm just going to run from the Lord. That was a bad decision on his part to put him in the belly of a large fish. David, man after God's own heart, made bad decisions. He made a bad decision to walk out on the roof of his house one one evening and observed Bathsheba and we think of Judas what a bad decision it was to go against the living Christ knowing what was going to happen there was a personal cost for each one and sometimes it's an eternal one and bad decisions almost always brings some kind of conflict to our lives on a personal level. And, and, and I want you, and I hope you understand that bad decisions have consequences. There's a cost to our bad decisions. Those consequences, the cost of those decisions, it may not be felt right away. It may not be felt today or tomorrow or even next week or next month or maybe for years. You might not feel the, the consequences of that bad decision. You might not feel the consequences of that bad decision until the next life. But they will come. And every one of us has our stories of our bad decisions in life. 
marriages where there's been adultery. That's a bad decision. Marriages where people have just walked away. It's a bad decision. Our behaviors in the marriage covenant with husbands and wives, we've made some bad decisions in that relationship. Jobs. Some of us have been bad employees and made bad decisions that cost us. Some of us who have been employers, you've made bad decisions and you've cost people money and you've cost people jobs. You've harmed their livelihood. Our work ethics at times have been bad decisions. Family matters, things said and done as sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and grandparents and siblings. We've made horrible decisions that have often come with a high cost. Our health. Some people have just been in poor health and you've just blown it off and you're not worried about it. And it's costing you now that bad decision. And yes, even in the church, on personal levels, pastors, deacons, congregants have made bad decisions and you've lived with the consequences of them. And it's hurt. And it's hurt others. And listen, I'm not going to beat you up about them. I don't have to point out anybody's bad decisions. And there are probably more bad decisions in this room than I would ever care to, to know. You made some really bad decisions in your life, and it's not my job to beat you up about them. If you're like me, you're already doing that yourself, and you're doing a really good job at it. Add to that the Holy Spirit working upon your heart with conviction, bringing you to repentance and confession and asking forgiveness of your Heavenly Father and even others if your bad decisions have sinned against them. But one of the greatest problems, and I want you to hear me on this, this is so important for you to understand this morning, one of the greatest problems is how we beat ourselves up for way too long about those bad decisions that we made. There are probably people in this room, you're beating yourself up over something you did when you were 12 or 13 or 14 years old. We have, we have them piled up on our back like, like a hiker's 50-pound backpack. And the problem being with that is we never take it off. We carry all those bad decisions around with us for our whole lives in some case. In fact, we keep, in fact, many times we just keep on adding to it. So we're, what was 50, now it's 60, now it's 70, now it's 80 pounds. You just, kept, you just keep adding those, those bad decisions on your back. And listen, ain't it hard to sleep when you're wearing a backpack like that? It's hard to find rest. And when you get knocked down or you fall down, oh, how hard it is to get back up with it on. You have to either take it off or you have to get help to get back up. You know, one of the, one of the things that killed a lot of men uh, on the D-Day invasion was they failed to do something. Uh, these men were jumping into water. They knew that they were going to be jumping into water. And they had these huge packs on. And unfortunately, some of those landing craft, uh, those amphibious craft, they could only get so close and they, and they, and they couldn't help but dropping them off in deeper water. And these men went down and drowned because that pack was so heavy and they didn't know how to get it off. 
Some of them survived because they understood when they went under to pop that pack off and get it off so that they could come back up. Listen, sometimes it's other people who keep throwing your bad decisions back onto your backs. And if you're doing that to somebody, stop. Stop doing that to people. Stop reminding them of the bad decisions that they've made. If you have done that to somebody, you need to go and ask for forgiveness. Because that's ungodly. If your bad decision was done in sin or resulted in sin, listen, what does 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tell us? If you, if you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive you of those sins. Child of God, this morning, if you have done that, listen, God is not holding your, your bad decisions over your head like a giant boulder just waiting to crush you over and over again. He's not doing that. You're doing that. You're beating yourself up about your bad decisions. God's not doing it. You're forgiven of those things. Stop. Stop letting those decisions pile up on your back and weigh you down in this life. Listen, no matter what bad decision was, uh, was done, God's grace and mercy and love and, a kindness and kindness is eternal enough and infinite enough and free enough that the guilt and the regret you carry around from those bad decisions, it's easily remedied when you do what David did in verse 6, the, ver the very last sentence, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You want to get rid of that junk? I mean, come on, let's just be real. Do you want to get rid of all that junk that's on your back, all those bad decisions, all the stuff that goes with it? Do you want to get rid of it? Then stop. Take it off. Let it fall to the ground and be strengthened in the Lord your God this morning. He'll get you through that. Be strengthened in Him. Let Him lift you up and strengthen you to leave all those bad decisions back in the past where they belong. The second point is this. Bad decisions are corporate. Let's look at verse 2. And, and taken captive, the women and all who were in it, both small and great, they killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters gone, uh, taken captive. And then back down to verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. For his people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his son and daughter. Now we also need to remember that not only do our bad decisions have personal costs, they also have an effect on those that are around us, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's our church, it doesn't matter. It's going to affect them also. And I know you see it when we look at this text. I know you see it. You can't help but see it. David's bad decision as their leader came with a cost to everyone who was attached, who had attached themselves to David as their leader. Every one of them. And if that, that decision had an impact on them. 
And this, ju- and this just didn't affect David and the men who went with him and headed out with the Philistines to battle against Israel. It wasn't just the guys. It had an effect on all those who were left behind. Wives, sons, daughters, maybe other near relations. They had to pay the cost of David's bad decision. Men, man, this should sink in in our heads. This should sink in when we make decisions. What was the cost besides the people taken? Those who were taken captive. What else? Their city was burned with fire. All their possessions gone. And now there's great lamenting by David and his men. And oh, how deep and how extensive sorrow can be for all who are affected by the cost of a bad decision. And oh, how how much better it would be it would have been for many to stop and consider who their bad decision might affect see if you want to make a bad decision and it's just you knock yourself out man just go ahead and do it it's only going to hurt you right but when you got other people around you when you got family when you have a church family when you got employees and, and employers that are right there with you you better pause and think about the decision you're going to make before you do it because it very well could affect them adam and eve we see the effects of their one bad decision in cain but more tragically in the whole world see genesis chapter 6 verse 5 the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually that's the result of one bad decision more more to the point romans chapter 5 verse 12 therefore just as sin came into the world through one man one bad decision and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin, one decision, one bad decision, put us all in the position we're in today. But let's stop and think about it. Abraham's one bad decision brought about two nations that are still warring. Two nations that are warring over land and religion to this day. What about Pharaoh? Not just one, but multiple bad decisions brought the destruction and death brought destruction and death upon the entire land of Egypt. Saul, one bad decision, not following the Lord's command to destroy all of Amalek, has its effect even right now. This whole situation we're in right here is because of Saul. His bad decision not to take out all of Amalek puts us right here. Achan, one bad decision, taking the accursed things, brought destruction upon Israel. Jonah, one bad decision to run from the Lord's calling, brought fear and loss of property on on that ship that he was on. The ship captain and the centurion of the ship that Paul and other prisoners were, were on. One bad decision to sail after a strong warning not to, and they lost everything but their lives. David, one bad decision, taking a census census out of pride and arrogance, costing 70,000 lives of the people of Israel. See, it's not, sometimes it's not just our own decision that affects us. It affects a lot of people. 
Just stop again and think about that. Just in these couple of stories, how many people were affected by one person's bad decisions? And oh, if these people would have just paused and asked, should I? Should I? I'll tell a story on myself. There's a twist at the end, but that, that'll have to be for another time. I prayed for months <clears throat> before we left China on what the decision was that needed to be made. Do we stay? Do we go? Do we stay? Do we go? Finally settled on, okay, the Lord's telling me that we need to leave. And the craziness that happened afterwards, the, the, the strain that it put on my family, the turmoil that came from it. I thought for a long time, this is the absolutely worst decision I have ever in my life made. Because it didn't just affect me, it affected my family. It affected brothers and sisters in Christ in China. And I carried that around for a long time, that I had made the, the worst decision in the world. And I think we have to remember that. Please remember that your decision affects more than just you sometimes. Think about the fact that we see the result of this every day in the news stories. People making really, really, really bad decisions that many times have lasting effects on other people, eternal effects. That bad decision sometimes just isn't about just you. Let's just put back, look back and contemplate some of the things that, that happened to us personally, uh, but, for, but for more of an inclusive position. Listen, marriages, when there's adultery, it's not just about you. It's about multiple, multiple people, especially when there's children involved, when there's families involved. It's not just you. You've affected the lives of tons of people. When you make bad decisions in, in your marriage, it affects everyone in the family. Jobs, when you make bad decisions, it costs other people that you work with. I, I could never afford to make bad decisions when I was a paramedic and when, and when I was a deputy. If I made bad decisions, people died. And I think if we looked at our bad decisions in, the, in that kind of light, that every time we make a bad decision, it could cost somebody their lives, man, we'd think a whole lot more carefully about what we're going to do. Family members and our family. Listen, people don't just hurt mom and dad. They hurt grandmothers, grandfathers, siblings. They hurt all sorts of people in the families when bad decisions are made. It doesn't affect just, just them. It's everybody. Health issues. Listen, if you're not, and I don't say much about health in, in some ways, but listen, if you're not taking care of yourself, and something happens to you and you get sick, that's going to have a direct impact on your family, on your husband, on your wife, on your children, on your, on your parents, on your grandfather, on whoever it is. The decisions we make in, in regards to our health, they have an impact on others. I look over here at Miss Susan. Miss Susan's seen it. And listen, that affects those things affect every one of us but here's the big thing the bad decisions we make in the body of christ as pastors deacons congregants 
Do you understand that when you do something, you make a bad decision in the church, it hurts the body. When these pastors get caught in adultery, when they get caught in sin, that's just not their personal thing where it's just them and their family. No, you, you've destroyed the hearts of a whole congregation, a whole body of Christ. It's corporate in that regards. And I, and I want you to remember, a bad decision, even when it affects multiple other people, isn't some kind of death sentence necessarily. It, do, it does not mean that your life is over. In fact, for the Christian, it can mean a new beginning, starting over, re recreation for you. But that will only happen after you have made things right. Repentance and confession if necessary. Asking for forgiveness from offended parties. Seeking the Lord's wisdom in the circumstances. Bad decisions bring, bring some level of conflict, remember? Why? Because there are consequences. And we have to remember that. But, but we have this hope and some of the verses that we find in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. We've got wisdom, we've got brains, people, use them when you make your decisions. Use them thinking, I could have a personal cost to this, but even more than that, I could cost a lot of other people things. I could bring a lot of consequences on their lives. And we look at Proverbs 18, 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We don't have to make bad decisions. Proverbs 25, verses 4 and 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. You see it? Psalm 86. Uh, Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Those are important things for us to remember when we make decisions, especially when it can be a the results can be corporate. And oh, listen, rest in God's grace and mercy. Cast those clouds of regret from bad decisions away from you. Be strengthened in the Lord to do it. Then let the bright rays of hope in Christ lift you up out of that place. Last point is this. Bad decisions bring bitterness verse 6 and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul and as you can imagine this bad decision brought about multiple emotions from the people anger at David at the Amalekites at the situation as a whole grief what had taken place Fear that their loved ones were dead. Distress. What are we going to do now? We are already in an enemy land. And as our text tells us, <coughs> bitterness is included there. But, but why bitterness? Now, let's, uh, I, I thought about this. Why bitterness? Why now is there bitterness? They were not bitter when he made that one bad decision to reside in the land of the Philistines in the first place. There was no bitterness there. They were not bitter when they made the raids in the south, uh, south of Judah and slayed the inhabitants and took the booty. 
Now that troubles had befallen them, well, now, uh, that's not right. That's not fair. Let us rise up and stone David, the man who brought us into this whole deal in the first place. Why weren't they bitter before? But now they're bitter because something happened to them. The bad decision had some consequences. It had a cost to them. They are bitter over the losses. Maybe they thought that, and maybe they thought that now that Saul was no longer a threat, they would be princes and, and commanders in their own little kingdom, David being the head of it, or, or that this kind of thing could not happen to them. I mean, they had David as their leader, so this kind of stuff's not supposed to happen. See, when, when making bad decisions or being a partaker in them brings those unfavorable consequences and costs, bitterness is one of the fruits naturally brought forth. Let's go back, let's, let's go back and think, of the, and think of many of those we've already mentioned. You don't think that those people had anger and grief and fear and regret and distress and guilt and bitterness from those bad decisions? Think about what Adam and Eve had to be thinking. There had to have been grief. There had to be fear about what was going to happen now. Distress, regret. Abraham. Oh, man. Abraham, you know that that cat, he, he, he just, he was, he regretted the decision he made to go into his, his wife's uh, servant. You know that it brought guilt. You know that it brought bitterness. Saul, the same thing. Saul's just been an angry man all the way around. Pharaoh, Achan, Jonah, David, the ten brothers of Joseph, Jephthah, and all, all the many other ones. If only to have been a fly on the wall for the years to come and to hear them talk about that one or two bad decisions that they made. Can you imagine what you would have heard? Can you imagine what they would have said about their anger? their regret, their bitterness, their guilt, their grief, their fear, their distress, their bitterness. And many times we walk around with this bitterness eating away at us like a cancer. Bad decisions. Bad decisions in our marriage has brought bitterness to us. Bad decisions in our jobs has brought bitterness. Bad decisions in our family bring bitterness. Bad decisions in regards to our health brings bitterness. Bad decision in the church brings a lot of bitterness and brokenness. And remember that illustration of the backpack? You're carrying all that, all that bad decisions on your back. Well, not only are you carrying all that stuff, the, the weight of all those bad decisions around with you, now you need to add on all the weight of the bitterness and the regret and the anger and the grief and the fear and the distress and the guilt right on top of that because we carry that around too. And I know some people, I, I can't figure it out. They are just bitter, angry people. I don't get it. Someone once said, when you harbor bitterness, happiness will, do will dock elsewhere. And I'll add to that that joy and happiness and peace and rest will all elude you until you lay down that bitterness upon the altar and let it be consumed once and for all by a holy fire from above.
And that goes for your own bad decisions and your being part of someone else's bad decisions. Listen, some people made some bad, some bad decisions and you paid the cost for it. You've suffered the consequences of it. You've got to let it go. You cannot live with that bad decision weighing down on you for the rest of your life. You can't live with that bitterness that comes with it the rest of your life. You've got to lay it down and let it go. John Broger said, anger and bitterness are two noticeable signs of being focused on self and not trusting God's sovereignty in your life. When you believe that God causes all things to work together for good to those who belong to him and love him, you can respond to trials with joy instead of anger or bitterness. And how different, stop and think about this, how different our lives may be should we do that. So how do we recover from bad decisions? That's a big one. How do we recover from these bad decisions? How do we cover, recover and get rid of that bitterness? And we look at the last sentence of our text in verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Flee to the Lord. Let him strengthen you. But there are some other things that will guide us on how to make good decisions from here on out. Because ultimately, what that, isn't that what we want? We want to learn how to make good decisions. You don't think that after this experience, and we're going to see that David wanted to make good decisions. And we see that it starts in verse 7. He starts making some good decisions for himself personally, for, himself, for, for the body of people that were, were with him corporately. First thing we got to do is we got to seek the Lord's will in our lives before we make any decision. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make uh, straight your paths. Be not wise in your own Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Oh, what would it have looked like had David sought the Lord's will first? How about this? We need to be constant in the word and prayer. Psalm 119. <clears throat> Psalm 119 and verses 11 and verse 105. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scriptures God is, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What would David's life have looked like had he been in the word of God and praying consistently? How about this? We add to it. Know the motive of your heart. What is my motive in this decision? Is it fleshly or is it spiritual? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Again, we saw that one. Look at Proverbs uh, chapter 16 and verse 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Or verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but, it ends, but, the, but its end is the way to, of death. What was David's motive in going over to the land of the Philistines in the first place? It wasn't godly. How about next? 
Get godly counsel. Stop making decisions based on your emotions and your feelings and just and your anger. Stop making decisions based on your regret. Proverbs 15, verse 31 through 33, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom and humility comes before honor. What happens when we do those things? What would, have, what would have David have done had he listened to the proverb if the proverb had been written at that time, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsels? Why did he not seek the counsel of Abiathar? Why did he not seek the counsel of Gad the prophet? And probably the greatest one that we can do is we learn to make godly decisions, good decisions, is we just wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the, in the earth. Psalm, 30, Psalm 33, verses 20 through 22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us. What would have happened had David just waited? We, like, we want to make a decision fast sometimes. We don't want to wait. No, we've got to make this decision right now. If, it's not, if it ain't life or death, you can wait. You can wait 24 hours a lot of times to make a decision. And listen, I pray that, that, that today you will lose all of that bad decision baggage that you have been carrying around that's topped off with a, a big load of bitterness. Listen, God's grace and God's mercy is sufficient for you to get rid of all that. Make things right. If there's sin involved and a bad decision that you've been a part of, make it right. Make it right today and give all the glory to God. <clears throat> but the ultimate bad decision that any man or woman ever makes is to refuse the salvation that comes to all men that's found in Christ Jesus. That is the ultimate bad decision. And we say that because we know what Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's it. And listen, we can't get away from that, nor can we get away from Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. We are given the opportunity to make one good decision in regards to our eternal life, to where we spend our eternity. And Romans 6.23 says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Make that decision for Christ today. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Do you see this one good decision that you can make right now today to come to Christ? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Make that one Good decision today. Not just good, that one great, that one awesome decision that you can make today. This decision, this one decision is greater than any decision you will ever make in all of your life. Whether it's getting married or taking a new job or selling your house or buying a car. Make this one good decision today and surrender and give your life to Jesus Christ and make him Lord and Savior. One good decision we can make let's pray father just ask that you let your spirit move and work upon our hearts for your glory and oh god help us to be men and women who will make good godly righteous decisions in regards to our lives lead us in that path lord teach us through the power of your spirit to make godly decisions we ask in christ's name amen